This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. My guest today is Dr. Chris Herman. This Georgia Tech and Emory University alum is the brain behind one way to stay safe if you're in the hospital. It's called simply clean hands, safe hands. And this technology was developed by Dr. Herman at the CDC, Emory University, and the Georgia Tech Research Institute. Hospital-acquired infections are the bane of the healthcare industry, and Dr. Herman's Clean Hands, Safe Hands technology uses location and proximity sensors to remind medical staff to wash their hands. In six months, Clean Hands, Safe Hands, which is in use in one of every five Georgia hospital beds, has resulted in a 70% reduction in hospital infections. That made me wonder what application, if any, does this have in a COVID-19 world? Dr. Herman, thanks for making some time to talk to us. It's my pleasure, and thank you for having me. Clean hands, safe hands. What is it, and how does it work? Absolutely. So it is fundamentally a pretty simple concept, and and you, as long as probably most of the listeners have, have seen in the news, um, and everybody talking about the importance of, of washing your hands. And it is fundamentally that simple. Is when you um, are around infectious agents or viruses or bacteria um, and you don't clean your hands for it. And that's part, a huge part of what we're seeing with coronavirus and other um, infections. And, and when you do clean your hands, you can prevent the spread and, the, and prevent the transmission of those infections. And so what we do is we take that same foundational concept, apply it, and apply it into healthcare. And so what we do is we have a technology platform that is um, comprised of um, both hardware um, and sensors, electronic sensors that we install in the hospital, as well as the data analytics platform. And what we do is we help hospitals change the behavior of their staff and help get the, the doctors and nurses to clean their hands going between patients, and which leads to a reduction of those infections that spread within the hospital. And so our, our, our system is comprised of, of two main components. One is a little badge reel that we give all of the healthcare providers. And we put electronics in those that allow us to identify who that person is. And then we put sensors on all the hand sanitizer and soap dispensers throughout the hospital that identify when somebody walks by, did they clean their hands? And that data is captured and analyzed in real time. And we use it to help give feedback to the staff. So if somebody were to walk into a patient's room and forget to perform hand hygiene, uh, the sensor actually reminds them. So we'll have a person's voice saying, please sanitize, please clean your hands, or whatever the hospital's hand hygiene slogan is. And then we take that data and we analyze that to help look for more complex patterns where we can identify that, you know, there's something concerning going on here. We need to let their leadership know so they can intervene um, before a, a patient um, infection starts to spread. And so we, we use that data in a very structured way to help really drive and change the behavior of healthcare providers and, and very efficiently and very in large scale. Dr. Herman, I was reading in recent days, there are a number of articles suggesting that people with normal conditions who would normally go to the emergency room, go to the mm-hmm. doctor's office, go to the hospital, are afraid now to go because of fear of COVID-19. It sounds as if clean hands, safe hands, perhaps can help allay some of those fears. Absolutely. And um, and that is something that, I mean, it, it's certainly understandable. And people's fears in these times that we're, 
where quite frankly, there's a lot of uncertainty in our world right now. Um, it's certainly understandable, but I think the important thing is for if you need medical care, make sure you get it. And um, there are other ways you can do that. You don't necessarily have to go to the emergency room. Telemedicine and, um, is something that is is really um, taking off. I and mean, for the first time, I took my four-year-old to the pediatrician, and they're now offering telemedicine um, to help minimize that the time for you don't really need to go actually go and be seen by in person, face-to-face by a physician. And so there are options. But what we're seeing with, with especially now that hand hygiene is front and center. You know, I was driving down the highway yesterday, and there are billboards um, on the highway. The, the DOV billboards are telling people to clean your hands. And so, um, and that's more important than ever when you go into hospitals these days, especially um, with COVID. But it was actually a pretty significant problem before COVID. Most people don't know that um, – the risk of getting one of the other HAIs, not a COVID infection, but any of the other infections, was about it was about five percent. So one in twenty people who would be admitted to a hospital would catch an infection while they're there. Um, and so hospitals are a pretty dangerous place, and that's where we come in and we can help hospitals improve hand hygiene, cut infections, and the response we've gotten from the patients who have interacted with our system absolutely phenomenal. What made you decide to do research in this area and to develop this? the strategy? Yeah, you know, it was it was a little by accident, quite frankly. So my original career plans were to go off and be a surgeon. And um, it was early in graduate school for me. Um, I was working on a project um, that was funded and, and we collaborated with the, the physicians at Children's Healthcare Atlanta. Um, and I got connected with um, one of the critical care physicians um, who said, you know, we tried to do everything that we can do to help improve hand hygiene. Do you think you guys can help us? And that kind of led us to kind of scrounging around, um, and we 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 tested and learned and 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 slowly got more and more traction. And the the big thing that really was kind of our aha moment was our, our first clinical trial where we had that voice reminder. And um, in the particular unit that we were in, is we tripled their hand hygiene rates over the course of about four weeks um, after we turned the voice on. And nobody expected that to happen that quickly. Um, and that was kind of the aha moment. So, you know, maybe there's something that we can do and leverage um, across all of healthcare. And um, kind of as we just continue to grow and grow and get more and more traction, um, and especially in more recent years, as we continue to, to gain more and more clinical data behind what we do, it's just, just continue to accelerate. So it, I ended up kind of as an entrepreneur by accident. Um, but it's been a, a fantastic journey and be any happier doing what, what we do now. Is it fair to say, Dr. Herman, that not washing hands before interacting with a patient in a hospital is not an intentional oversight on the part of the healthcare professionals? How come they weren't before such that there was a need for the clean hands, safe hands mm-hmm. protocols that you've established? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And it's one that even most people in healthcare um, don't always understand is is when doctors and nurses, first of all, they all have theoretically been educated, and they all know they should be washing their hands. Um, and almost none of them, and, and by that I mean well over 99.9% of them, don't ever make an intentional decision not to wash their hands. Um, I think what we've, we've all seen in healthcare um, with the, the, the commitment and sacrifice that healthcare providers do day in and day out, and they've been doing this for years. This has been front and center with all of the healthcare heroes that we've we've, we've seen through this COVID response. 
they're just busy and they're overworked and they are in many cases in very difficult, stressful environments. And it's simply the fact that despite them doing heroic things, at the end of the day, they're still people and they're not perfect and they just get busy and forget. And that's where we come in as we um, help highlight and remind them very gently the times that they, they just, you know, maybe they're thinking about patient care and quite frankly, they should be. Because I wouldn't want to go see a doctor who wandered around all day long thinking about managing. Um, but we can remind them and help intervene in those critical times, um, whether it's they get busy or they or they just they happen to forget um, or not aware of the times when they're going in and out of the patient room is probably another very common one. Or you know sometimes it's just a, a, a tough day and they, there's lots going on and they need more help and and those are things that in the past healthcare is the health system but achieving a high level of hand those very simple things that are, it, it, I think it, as that voice said, it's easy to do, but it becomes very complex when you um, look at the scale of some of what the healthcare providers do. So we help address those and help identify what are the real barriers for performing hand hygiene and give hospitals the tools and the way to help change that behavior and help keep patients safe. Isn't it true that one of those infections pre the COVID pandemic uh, that it took forever to figure out what was causing it. It wasn't that the healthcare professionals were not clean hands, safe hands, washing their hands before the patient interaction, but even after doing that, by grabbing that curtain that, let's say, separates and create, creates patient privacy, it just defeated mm-hmm. that purpose. Exactly. Yes. And there, there, and that, that's true for, quite frankly, any surface that you touch, whether it's a doorknob, the patient's tray, the hospital bed, the curtain. Um, and, and that's why it's, it's so important that at, at a minimum, the guidelines are as you touch, you clean your hands before or after touching the patient. So you help, if you happen to be in there touching the patient, you keep whatever germs they may have contained in kind of their space or in their room, and you're not spreading them in the hall and, and kind of pick things up as they go. And, um, and that applies to, especially like COVID that can live on services for a while. There are several other types of um, typically bacteria that can live for long periods of time on surfaces. And that's, that's a whole, that's a, as much of a part of it as, as physically touching the patient is what you want to do is keep those from spreading and kind of walking around the hospital on the hands of, of healthcare providers. While this works in the hospitals, do you see this having, especially in the wake of COVID, additional applications in other places? You know, it, it, it is. And so we are not surprisingly getting requests all the time these days for using our technology outside of uh, the traditional hospital environment. We, as a, an early stage company, one of the things that we have to do is remain focused um, on kind of our core mission, and that's been to prevent hospital infections. And that's um, up until this point, we've been very, very focused on that. But in light of what's happening with um, COVID, we certainly have gotten more interest. And this is certainly something that the public is far more aware of than they ever been before. So uh, we're actively looking um, and will uh, likely at some point in the, the coming weeks or months um, use our technology to help um, buildings and businesses get back to work safely. Um, as well as some hotel and hospitality areas that we're looking at, as well as some restaurant applications. Restaurant um, applications and, was the first thing that came to mind and prompted me to ask the question, when you think about food handling, especially how that industry has changed so much in this current state. Yeah, and historically, and we, that is something we have looked at in the past, and um, for for lots of good reasons, that, that has not been a priority of theirs. Um, and, 
is, is they they know it's a theoretical risk, but it, it's not something that really drives their business. And I'm, I'm not certainly one to judge or, or tell another industry how to make decisions. Um, but I think all of the awareness that we are doing um, from COVID, just because of the uncertainty in, of it all, you know, that applies to other illnesses just as well. I mean, it, there are lots of comparisons to the flu, which are, um, are, 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 are semi-valid. Um, but other things like other GI illnesses, that are the common ones in the restaurant, a lot of those can be prevented by, um, it's just the basics of washing your hands at the right times um, and helping to ensure that those organisms don't get sort of passed on to uh, customers or employees as well. Um, and the, interestingly, the other thing that we are starting to do a lot more of these days, both in hospitals, and this is, if anything, perhaps the biggest interest in kind of the outside of hospital environments, is we can use our technology to help do contact tracing. Um, so if you've heard in the, the news about epidemiologists and healthcare professionals identifying which people were exposed to other people with coronavirus, uh, we can do the same thing but take it at a much higher um, resolution and do it within offices or within buildings or even within the same room. Is we can help identify which people interacted with other people and if they're, they're exposed we can go back in time and start. These people have some significant interaction. They need to self-quarantine or be tested um, as well. Talk to us more about how that might work, what it would look like. Mm-hmm. So for for us, for, so for contact tracing um, and kind of what you hear about in the news, that's at a very high level and a large scale. So um, if I develop symptoms, the investigators are going to go back in time and and identify who did I come in contact with? My family, I may have gone to a grocery store, I took my son to a doctor's office, and then they're gonna go let those people know that, hey, you were exposed to somebody with coronavirus, watch out for symptoms, get tested, self-quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and at a high level, you can do that, and there's a lot of interest, and this is probably where we're gonna end up as a society, is your, your mobile phones are a great way to do that. They can tell you what buildings you went to. Um, but where, where they struggle is when you take it with inside that building. And in the case of, let's say, a hospital or an office building, you may have um, 20 different rooms within a, a geographic area. Um, and with our sensors, by design, detect very short range. So our detection range is, interestingly enough, about six feet. So we can tell any time somebody walked within six feet of our sensors. And then we can capture that very seamlessly and, and, and honestly pretty um, invisibly to the, the people interacting. So you can put our sensors up around our office building. And anytime somebody walks in the conference room or the break room or the restroom or um, a meeting room, we can record that. And then if somebody does test positive, we can go back in time um, two, three, four weeks as needed um, to help identify those people. Because one of the really unique things about COVID that is quite frankly been the biggest struggle is people can transmit the infection long before they develop symptoms. And some people, and there's probably a lot more of these people than we know of, some people never develop symptoms and they may test positive down the road. Um, and, and so I may have, let's say, had a meeting in our conference room with five other people. One of them had COVID and they didn't know it at the time. It wasn't that they chose to go to work while they were sick, they just didn't have symptoms. Um, and then um, you realize, oops, after the fact, and this, this happened in our office building, there was a contractor who came in that tested positive for COVID two weeks later, and it was well-intended, and there's no reason to suspect them, And, and but then they had to go notify our entire office. And you know what? 
there was somebody here, they were sick. We don't really know what they did, but we just want to let you know. And so that that's kind of the, the, the area that we're getting interest and getting requests to help identify. How does that work with patient protection, employee protection? I know businesses are thinking about reentry and temperature taking and making sure right. that folks who enter the buildings are are negative and safe, but you don't want to single out anybody and say, well, as you just said, well, someone came in the building, we don't really know what they did, but when you start talking right. about an employee workforce, take us there. Absolutely. So there, there are a couple different ways we can handle the data privacy aspect of it. So um, and we, we have, depending on, and we do the same thing with hospitals day in and day out, is we have different levels of privacy and different access. Um, the, the, the unique thing about COVID is even if an, empl- uh, uh, an employer, for example, say it was our business, even if we had temperature checks and symptom checks and everybody had to wash their hands, that still doesn't mean that um, that person isn't contagious and doesn't have COVID. Um, and because of there's that period of before your symptom, before you having any symptoms, including a fever that you can thread it. Um, and quite frankly, there's not necessarily a way you can completely prevent that. And you can wear a mask and you can perform hand hygiene, which will cut down on that risk tremendously. But you can't eliminate it no matter what you do or what restrictions you put in place. Um, the important thing is, is you want to catch that as soon as it is before you start to have outbreaks and you, have, you start to sp- you spread the infection. Um, and so what, what we can do is we can help employers or really anybody uh, respond to that very quickly. So let's say you did have somebody who, let's say, passed the forehead temperature check. Well, they did wash their hands. They may or may not have had a mask on, um, interacted with somebody in a conference room. We can instantly tell you, all right, who were those other people there? And who were those people that you need to then um, have stay home for a period of time to see if they develop symptoms or go get tested? Um, and until um, that there's more widespread testing that we have available, that's going to be kind of how you're going to prevent and, and cut down on the, the spread and really the, the outbreaks of COVID, which are is the really dangerous piece because those are what um, overwhelm communities and health systems. We're talking to Dr. Chris Herman, and he is the CEO of and founder and creator of Clean Hands, Safe Hands. One of the ways to help people not acquire infections in hospitals and now looking at how this technology might be applied in the wake of COVID in in lots of other areas. Dr. Herman, talk more about how that that the phones may work and how we might be able to, would it be an app on your phone or something and how would the sensors and your places so that you could do more of that contact tracing, which sounds like a tremendous opportunity for you. Absolutely. Um, So for so from, I think there's two aspects of contact tracing. So with your, with your cell phones, that's a, a GPS-based um, approach. And I know, um, I think that Apple and Samsung are the two, um, the two main manufacturers of phones. And I think they're actively working on a way to share that. And so what they're, they're doing, um, or they're, they're hoping to do, is take that location information and and basically have a record of it. And so if, if then you identify and let's say test positive for COVID, they can go back in time and um, anonymously let other people know that, hey, let's say we saw that you, your phone was in the same, let's say, loca- like, say same grocery store, for example, as another phone at the same time. That person had COVID, you may or may not have been exposed, or you're at the same gas station, the same house, or the same building. 
Um, and for high level um, contact tracing, that works phenomenally well. And that's a huge part of, 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 of cracking. Um, what we can do is we take that and we just, we just same exact concept, but we just do that with um, sensors that are designed to work in a much tighter proximity. So um, in, in hospitals, it's not uncommon for us to put sensors every five or six feet or 10 feet um, throughout an entire building or all the patient care areas. And so we can take those set sensors and we can identify, uh, we don't actually communicate through your cell phone to actually transmit data too far. We use a specialized um, sensor that we put in a, a badge reel um, that the healthcare providers wear. But we can identify within very tight proximity who were the people that, that walked either in and out of a room or buying sensors or interacted with those sensors um, and record that same data. So you basically, you could think of it as uh, breadcrumbs, if you will. Um, digital breadcrumbs from where people went throughout a building um, or in the case of what your phone can do throughout your day across our city. And then by kind of overlapping them with other breadcrumbs for people who may develop COVID, we can help um, give people or employers or hospitals data about who are the people that were exposed um, to other um, employees in the case of office buildings or unfortunately in healthcare, we're doing this um, almost on an hourly basis for who were exposed to patients that they may have been in a hospital for kind of vague symptoms and nobody identified them as COVID, but they then test positive after the fact. Um, and we can go back and say, all right, this patient was in this room for three days. Here are the people that were in that room. And of those people, these are the ones that had significant exposure um, and interacted with that patient for prolonged periods of time. And so um, the, the organization, whether it's a hospital or an employer, can then go um, and have those people self-quarantine if necessary, get treated or get tested in the case of COVID. Um, or actually what we're doing, the most valuable thing what we're seeing in healthcare right now is we can identify those people that, yes, you may have been somewhere on that floor, but you didn't have meaningful interaction with that patient. So let's say uh, an ER that might have 200 people work over the course of a couple of days in that unit. We can give the five or six that, yeah, these are the ones you really need to, to self-quarantine, but the other 195 didn't have much exposure, they can keep working because I think as we've all seen, healthcare has been stretched at times beyond its breaking point. You need as many clinicians as possible, uh, especially those who have got critical care experience to, to help take care of those other patients. So um, that, that's how we can, we're using the contact tracing kind of day-to-day -day life these days. Dr. Herman, if there's somebody out there listening to our conversation today and thinking this might really be a great idea as I as an employer am thinking about how I'm going to bring my workforce back into our workspace, how do they find out more about the work that you've done with Clean Hands, Safe Hands? Absolutely. So the best way to do it is through our website and it's www.cleanhands-safehands.com and that's C-L-E-A-N. H A N D S dash S A F E H A N D S dot com. Um, or you can reach out to us on Twitter, and our uh, Twitter handle is at CHSH system. Dr. Chris Herman, Clean Hands, Safe Hands. What an interesting conversation, and what a product and technology that seems to be right on time for the times. Yes, thank you very much. I've enjoyed speaking with you today. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condis Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.